You're listening to the Addiction Support Podcast, episode number nine. Hi, Oak Creek Wellness family. Welcome to Addiction Support Podcast, where I talk with inspiring people who share their knowledge and experience of addiction and what's working for them. This is addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. I'm your host, Melissa Sue Tucker. Encouraging, inspirational, and life-changing content that makes a difference. Created specifically for you by OakCreekWellness.com. Hello. I hope you're having an amazing week. I have a great guest for you. My guest this week is Alicia Cook. You may know her from TheAliciaCook.com. She is a contributing writer for many blogs and news outlets, including the Huffington Post and multiple Garnet publications. She writes regularly on drug addiction, how it affects families. And I've seen multiple articles that she's written gone viral. That's actually how I found her. I came across one of her articles that I really loved and reached out to her on her website. And she has a tab there that says, if you want to share your story, let me know. And I sent her an email saying, hey, this is my story. This is what happened with my brothers. And this is what I'm doing now because of it. And she got back to me within a couple days, which astonished me. And we just started a friendship and decided that she is going to write my story. So that'll be coming out soon. And I'll definitely be sharing that. And then I'm just honored that she would come on the podcast and share her story. One exciting thing is uh, the day that we recorded this, she released her second publication. It was her first book that she self-published and pretty cool. She has chosen to donate 100% of the royalties to the Willow Tree Center in New Jersey. And she talks about that in the podcast. And um, yeah, she's just a really cool down to earth person. She loves those old mixtapes. So her book, she actually did the artwork for and she set it up so that instead of a table of contents, there's a track list and it's just kind of cool. She's a very... um, loving, grounded woman. And one of the things that she brought up that I hadn't thought about before, but it's so true. It's like we are part of a club that unfortunately is not that exclusive and that nobody wants to be a part of. And in this day and age, our club is growing and she's out there doing what I'm doing. At least she's doing it on a much bigger scale. And she's doing that through her writing The book itself just covers all aspects of the human condition. You know, everything from death, love, moving on, evolving, growing up, hometowns, family dynamic, life after trauma, and makeups and breakups. And then that's on side A. And then on side B, she has the remixes of those poems. And so it's a form of blackout poetry known as found poetry. So it's cool. The side B gives a fresh twist um, by creating new poetry out of side A. So it's very cool. And like I said, all the proceeds go to Willow Tree Center. The book is less than $7 on Amazon. So you guys got to check it out. You got to pick up her book. I'm running a contest. If you'd like a free copy of her book, I'd be happy to give those away. I have the contest on the show notes. So you can just click on there and find out more information. Basically what I'm asking for is reviews in iTunes 
honest reviews in iTunes. What's going to happen is the more reviews we get, the more other people out there are going to be able to find us and tap in and tune in and become a part of this community. And I want to encourage you and incentivize you in sharing in that if this is something that's touched you, if it's something that you feel like you want to do. So with no further ado, I hope you enjoy Alicia's podcast interview and reach out to her. She's a real person. It's pretty phenomenal. Follow her work and buy her book. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Addiction Support Podcast. And I was hoping that you'd share more about your story with addiction, how it's touched your life. Okay. Well, unfortunately, addiction has touched my life immensely. Um, and usually when I say touch my life, it, it could mean, you know, in a positive way. Um, addiction has, has ruined a lot of of my life. Um, it's a monster. Ten, Almost 10 years ago, I lost my cousin to a heroin overdose. We were 19 years old. Um, at the time, obviously, I was completely ignorance of bliss, and I knew nothing about this drug. It also wasn't on the forefront of the news like it is now. I feel like now everywhere you turn, every corner, someone's directly affected by some kind of addiction. It's truly an epidemic. But 10 years ago, um, we were stunned when we first found out my, my cousin, Jessica, was battling addiction. Um, she battled addiction for 18 months uh, before before losing her life. So she didn't even have that long when she fell into addiction to beat it, um, but she did try multiple rehabs, counseling, everything, detox, um, and unfortunately, though, she she lost her battle. I'm sorry to so hear that. I was young. I was young when I was first, you know, faced head-on with the reality of, of this drug and what it does to families and everything like that, so in a way, I was educated very early on on this topic. Um, but yeah, that's that's sad. Ten years ago and almost now. Wow. So you've done a lot of writing and a lot of other things since then. To Are you trying to help other people, other families that are going through it? Or what, what do you think your goal is or your driving force is? Um, well, like I said, she's been gone almost ten years now. But, you know, it, it's all over the addictions everywhere now. Like I said, it's truly an epidemic. So the fact that all of this is everywhere now, I it bubbled up to the surface more. I didn't even write about my cousin or my experience for the first six years after I lost her. I just wasn't ready to do that. I mean, I knew one day I was going to write about this, but I didn't know if it was going to be in you know a fictional way, loosely based on my life. Um, but then with the digital age, and the internet and everything, I kind of just started putting my thoughts out there, um, really just to be cathartic. I, I think writing writing is my therapy in a lot of senses, you know, in, in the sense. But um, I do hope I could help people. But unfortunately, we are members of a club that no one really wants to be yeah, a, a member to. Um, that's always the way I describe it is that, we are such a large community now, the families and the loved ones that have been directly affected by addiction. It's unbelievable how many are touched by this now. And but no one really wants to relate to this topic. You know, what I write about is not pretty. Most of the time it's not hopeful, um, but it's the reality of it. And um, 
I think I was one of the first younger bloggers to actually get on this head on and be like, this is, it's horrible. It's an illness. It's affecting everyone. You know, it does not discriminate. Um, and in turn, a lot of people have connected to my work. So I think that's, I'm grateful for the connections, but at the same time, no one really wants to connect to it. But um, if they could find any kind of peace or solace or hope in what I'm writing, then I think I've done my part. Um, I've never compensated for my articles on addiction. Uh, I I refuse payment because I don't want to benefit off of my trauma or any other family's tragedy. I'm truly just writing it to connect to people, to let them know they're not alone. I think you're doing a really huge service, too, in um, just removing the stigma. You know, looking yeah. at your last article about, and I might say it wrong, so correct me here, about, like, stop calling them junkies. Yes. Like, that one, I was just like... Yeah, like I might start crying right now. It was just really ah. powerful and it was really, it's so true. It's not, I don't know. These aren't people that we can just throw away because they made a bad choice. These are people that truly have addiction and we need to stop labeling them and figure out how to come together and, you know, ideally get in front of it for people that haven't started and then how, you know, come together and come up with a way that we can treat treat the addiction. Yeah, that was, um, stop calling them junkies. I, I wanted to write that for a very long time. Um, and I just never did not for the fear of people attacking me in the comments section or anything like that, but I wanted to not just write from my point of view with that one. I wanted to get a counselor's perspective an actual addicts, uh, uh, active an active addict object, you know, point of view. And then I wanted to talk to um, people that don't, that dedicate so much of their time. They volunteer their time. They're not even paid to run organizations in hopes of helping them. Um, but I, that, that article was a long time coming. Um, and it was hit with a lot of criticism um, because people are stuck in their ways. But exactly what you said, I really can't even add to it because what you said summed it up. I, I'm so tired of that word because it it takes a, a multi-layered, unique individual, living, breathing human, and just makes them one-dimensional. Like, they're fictional characters you could just write off and erase them. I try to stay away from the comments section on a lot of my articles um, because of what people Day and I just get so heated and I know I have to stay, I have to be Switzerland and everything a lot of the time, but um, I'm so sick of comments that are just born out of being uneducated on this topic. And you know what? I think I've said it before that they're lucky. I, I'm, I'm jealous that they are uneducated and ignorant in a way because that means that they have never been directly affected. Yeah, you have to stay away from those comments. If you don't have haters, you are not doing your life's work. <laughs> That's kind of my attitude about it. And I try well, not to look at them either, but sometimes it's hard. Yeah, it, that, that junkie article, you know, that I don't even like saying that that junkie article, but that um that article I wrote on the word junkies, I, uh, I've never read such hate before um, in the comment section. So after that, I was like, you know what? At the same time, 
the positive, you know, the positive emails I've received from people and the outpour of support and saying, you know, yes, we need to stop using that word. And, and I am a writer, so I understand, you know, the First Amendment. People are going to say what they want, but that word does nothing to help the cause. And, you know, the use of such negative language decreases people who use drugs to stigmatize stereotype that is honestly antiquated now because it does not discriminate at all. It's It could affect anyone, any time, any family, any upbringing, and people forget that. And I just hope, you know, I hope with every article I write, I just chip away at that stigma just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Well, I'm definitely saying, yeah, keep going. And then people that I'm talking to that are also involved in this were watching you and reading you and sharing your articles and just keep going. And hopefully you are. Hopefully they will never know the pain and hopefully they'll never know what that feels like. And, um, you know, if God forbid it does impact them in some way, then, then they had that experience of you and, you know, maybe who knows, maybe they'll become a big advocate too. You just never know. You're planting seeds, you know? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't wish that on even my worst enemy um, because it's completely changed. It's been 10 years since my cousin died and, you know, we're still, you know, dealing with the ramifications of her not being there. Every milestone, every graduation, every wedding, it's just this elephant in the room that the, another person, my my age, you know, my own flesh and blood, you know, we grew up similarly. We had a lot in common. She was, she loved writing and she was very artistic as well before addiction got a hold of her. And, um, it's just a reminder almost every day that a person that should be here isn't because of, because of drugs. Yeah. It's yeah. So out of all your articles that you've written so far, do you have one that I know they're not, you know, they're not the bright side, but do you have one that you like the most or you feel like it's been shared a lot or has getting, you know, gotten a lot of positive feedback on? Um, yeah, my, one of my, um, one of my articles back in October, I think it was called lessons I learned from loving a drug addict. Okay. Um, that, that ended up going viral. Um, NBC, CBS, you know, a lot of Gannett publications picked that up. It was shared hundreds of thousands of times. According to the editor there, it was read millions of times. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was what actually propelled me to keep writing about addiction, not because of the attention it gathered, but for when I because of the attention it gathered. I said, wow, there might be a need for this. Um, people might need to read stuff that I'm writing in private and not sharing. Um, so that's that's kind of what started my whole addiction-centric writing um, in some articles because I realized, you know, if it's being shared this much and if it's, it's resonating with this many people, there's a need for it. And I know, you know, 10 years ago when I was trying to learn about drug addiction, the internet exactly wasn't what it is now. There's no smartphones. Um, I went to bookstores and just to learn, I wanted to read a book, a memoir, anything written from a family member's perspective 
regarding drug addiction, and I just could not find it. Hmm. So, um, you know, maybe maybe I'll I'll write it one day. But for now, I'm doing the smaller articles that that are touching on the family's side of things, the other side of addiction. Well, let me know if you do end up writing it. <laughs> I want to be for, one of the first <laughs> customers. Be, yeah, it wouldn't be anytime soon. I mean, I would I would imagine it would be a memoir that kind of documents my experiences with with addiction. Um, and you know, I'm I'm someone who's never even smoked a cigarette, so it's just it's polarizing sometimes to to think about everything that this drug takes away from families. Mm-hmm. Um, not just this drug, not just heroin, really. Any any kind of addiction, alcoholism, you name it. Right. Anything that takes them away. Yeah, and then I guess that, that article is important to me because it gave me the confidence to keep writing about addiction. Um, but my most favorite article to date is the one that I just released the other day on the Huffington Post um, that's called Heroin is the Worst Thing That Ever Happened to Me. And good title. Uh, it's not until hmm? it's a good title. Yes, but um, it because it is, and uh, it's not until unless you follow my work and you know who I am already. If you, it's not until halfway down the article that you realize that I'm not an addict. Hmm. So it draws parallels between the pain that the family goes through and the pain that the actual addict goes to, through. And sometimes, you know, you would think that it's reading that article. Many think half, until halfway down that I, I'm the addict and heroin's the worst thing that happens to me because I've used heroin where that's not the case, but I've loved someone that has. And that was just something really, it's a quick 700-word article, but I really just had to get that out of my, my system because I think about it, you know, and it's like, this might be the worst thing that ever happened to me, and it didn't directly happen to me. And I'm going to link to all of the articles in the show notes, too. So if anybody's interested, and obviously they can go Google them or they can go to your website. Can they find them from your website or just from Google? Um, they could. All my writing's on my website. Okay, awesome. TheAliciaCook.com. Um, if they click drug addiction, it'll bring them all to my my articles on addiction. Um, if they don't want to read any of my fluffy pieces that I still do write from time to time. Are those the pieces that kind of help balance you out? Yeah, um, makes my dad happy when I write about happier things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes he just—he's funny with that. He—he um, he gets that I get it, and he gets that other people really get it. But at times he doesn't—you know—he doesn't—he doesn't like that his daughter always seems so sad. But um, I was telling him he has to separate the art from the person a lot of the time. <laughs> That's funny. That's sweet. He cares. Yeah, he's a great dad. Um, but it's just funny how you know how he reacts to some of my pieces. That's awesome. All right. So as of the time of this recording, you have some exciting news because you just self-published a book and released that today. Is this your second book? Is that right? Yes, it's my second book, but it's my first book that I kind of just did my on my own I wrote it I designed it I drew the cover I did everything by myself I'm not connected to um a formal publishing house anymore um but Radiant Skies Publishing Group was is a writing collective that I'm connected to they um just a bunch of 
great people that love art and love producing art. They volunteer their time and they really help me polish this. So I want to get into the book, but before we do, can you tell me why Willow Tree Center in New Jersey is important to you? Yes, Willow Tree Center in New Jersey, it's in Morris County, New Jersey, is very um, important to me because it's important to my aunt and uncle, my cousin Jessica's parents. Uh, during the 18 months with uh, Jess battling addiction and following her death, Willow Tree Center was, a, was and is a major resource to my aunt and uncle. Um, and now my aunt actually volunteers a lot of her time helping them out as well. Um, they do a multitude of things as an organization. They do have, you know, the outpatient. They do have direct resources for the person suffering from addiction. However, what I like as a family member is they have so many resources for the family. They even have um, something that is specific for parents who lost someone to addiction. Wow. Um, where you, you know, not that you would want to involve yourself in, a, in the group unless you were directly affected like that, but they really have targeted groups to help, you know, because each person, and that's what also people lose sight of, each person's experience, though you can all relate to each other, they're all very different because they're different people and it's different families and different dynamics like that. So um, Willowtree really helped my, my aunt and uncle out, and I just want to, I just want to help them out in return because... You know, my just the fact that they they helped my aunt and uncle during the worst time of their life, um, I'm indebted to them for that. And I just wanted to mention that because for all of our listeners, Alicia's chosen to donate 100% of her royalties for this book to that center. So this isn't, I mean, not that it would matter if it was, but it's not something that you're looking to make money on. This is something that you want to make money on so that you can give back. And I think that's just really beautiful. And I wanted to make sure we thank pointed you. that out. You're welcome. No, thank, thank you. you. So no, I mean, every little bit helps. I'm not, you know, this isn't going to, this book is, is a, is a chat book. It's, it's poetry. It's not going to end up on, you know, a New York Times bestseller list or, or anything like that. But I do have very, dedicated, supportive readers that that were just excited for the fact that I released the book in the first place and that I'm only charging six ninety nine for it, not, you know, twenty dollars. And um and I am donating hundred percent of the royalties to Willow Tree to help families where addiction is present. And I'm gonna be completely transparent with that and every month I'm going to actually share the transaction. So, I mean, not that I think people think I'm a liar, but I just know that I just want them to know that their money is going where I'm, where I promise that it's going. That's cool. Will that be on your website or where are you going to be sharing that? Yes, it's on my website. Um, it'll continue to be on my website under, I think it's, it's a tab, something like my new book release or something. And as I get more, um, promotional articles and press on the book and donations and everything like that. Um, I'm going to be posting all of that there just so it's completely, you know, full transparency um, and, and people know that their money is going to this cause. That's awesome. So is the book just for people that are dealing with addiction or is it, is there something in there for everyone? I made a conscious decision not to include writing on addiction in this book. Um, 
I did it so it really just follows every up and down that, that a lot of people experience in their life, you know, wanting to grow adulthood, evolving into a new person after something tragic could happen, um, life, love, loss, everything. It covers the, you know, the human condition. That's awesome. Um, and then I'm a huge, I'm a huge uh, music fan. Uh, I'm a hip-hop head, which people seem to find funny for some <laughs> reason. Um, so I designed the book in the style of an old-school cassette mixtape. So there's two sides. There's side A and side B, like back in the day when we had to like flip the tape around and everything like that. Um, and it's broken down into two sections. Um, side A is the 50 poems. Side B is those same 50 poems remixed um, in the form of blackout poetry. And instead of a table of contents, there's track listings. So I did it kind of in a fun way. That's cool. And you drew the cover yourself, right? Yes, yes. I drew the cover myself. Um, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not an artist by any means, but I was going for a minimalistic, simple feel, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. It's beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. So, and we'll be running a contest too. So I'll be giving away some of your books and I will put the notes in the show notes for anybody that's interesting. But if you're interested in picking up one of her books, go, you can buy it on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us the name of it. Um, it's called um, Stuff I've Been Feeling Lately. So they can search by that or your name, right? And find it? Yeah. So they type in Alicia Cook and even just write the word stuff. I think the, the book comes up if they don't want to go through my website. But yeah, it's stuff I've been feeling lately. I named it that because I think that's what I've named one of my like burnt CDs or mixtapes before. Cool. And so if you'd like to get a free copy, well, free to you, I'm happy to buy one. Just check out the show notes and check out the contest. And you can go about it that way or go to Amazon or do both. I don't, I'm up for whatever. I think it's a great cause. And I, you know, I love reading what you write. So I'm really happy to support you in that area. So I'm what else? So happy we, uh, we connected. And I do, um, the book is, though the book doesn't focus on addiction, um, I did dedicate the book to anyone who loves someone struggling with addiction. And I left, um, I put the Willow Tree Center, I put their website on there. And then I just, of course, I thanked my mom and dad because they're my pillars and I love them. That's awesome. What else do you want to share with us? Do you want people to go to your website and like input their information to do a story with you? Or are you kind of filled up on that right now? Or No, I'm, I'm always accepting... Um, interview forms. I am backed up probably till May, but that does not mean that I won't. I still write back immediately to them and I let them know that there's a wait, but every single person's story is so important to this cause. Um, I was watching the anonymous people and they said something that stuck with me and they said, public opinion drives public policy. And so the more people whose story I could share about this, the better. That's awesome. I love that movie. Yeah, I mean, I, and then two days later, um, the anonymous people, their Facebook page and website shared my article and I, and I just almost passed out. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, I was like, I just saw your, your documentary. I loved it. That's awesome. What are some, 
I guess, life hacks or tips or advice do you have for other people that, God forbid, are going through what you've gone through? Whatever I say here is probably going to sound cliche, but um, I can only speak from my own experiences, and you need to educate yourself. Um, you're all of a sudden you could wake up and your world can be entirely different and and never the same again. Um, so I would just hope that you know people do their due diligence and and they they educate themselves and they they read about you know whatever drug or substance their loved one is that you know starting to use and and fall it's it really is a rabbit hole. Um, I wouldn't say there's a life hack. Basically, I mean, especially in the beginning when I lost my cousin, you just, I did not know how my aunt and uncle woke up every single day after that and lived their life. Um, That's how, the one thing that one day I will write about is how resilient we are as humans as well because the pain of losing someone, a child, a cousin, a sibling, your life is forever changed. Um, you know, if there's somebody listening that wants to start writing, but they're just not sure where to start, what type of advice do you have for them around that? Writing about addiction? Yeah. Um, I would say start um, start with, you know, open a blog. There's so many free blogs nowadays, Tumblr, WordPress, anything like that. And just start stream of conscious, write what you're feeling. Um, it's almost like when I finally started really writing about it, I had felt like for a long time was just holding my breath, that feeling of always being like that sucked in air feeling. Um, and then when I started writing about it, even before I thought anyone would even read it, it was a, a release. So I always say to write honestly, don't write what you don't write in the hopes of going viral or, you know, gaining a large readership. If you write honestly you know, stay truthful, stay, you know, hone your voice and, and people will naturally be attracted to your work. They'll gravitate towards you because they'll start trusting what you're saying. They'll start believing in what you're saying um, and just start blogging. And then the internet's great and horrible in a lot of ways, but um, starts, if you want to really start submitting your work, there's so many uh, recovery and rehab and things like that um, that want to hear what you're saying. Um, if you do a quick Google and you Google, you know, share my addiction story, so many people, including my own website, that ask for your addiction stories will pop up. So unfortunately, it's, there's a market because so many people are suffering from this now and it's everywhere. That's good to know. And I mean, they could always email me. I mean, I get probably 100 emails a day. I, I respond to every single one of them. Wow. <laughs> so if they ever want, yeah. I mean, I don't know how long I could sustain this. <laughs> but for now, I am responding to every single email within 48 hours. Because you have a job too, right? This isn't your job. No, no, no. It would be great if it was. No, <laughs> I, um, I work full-time in marketing. So I am a, a writer in real life as well. Um, but I write for um, a private college in New Jersey, so completely different type of writing. But I'll like today I got home from work, and now I called you. So I really I probably technically work till you know until I go to sleep. But 
it doesn't feel like work to me because I'm so passionate about this cause. I believe that if enough people come together and they say, you know, this problem is not going away, there needs to be, you know, public changes in public policy, there needs to be more beds in, in rehab centers. I just read this one mother's story. She emailed me like three in the morning a couple of days ago and she said her daughter was abusing heroin for maybe six months before she found out. Immediately when she found out, her daughter broke down, cried. She wanted help. And where she's from in the Midwest, the waiting list to even get into a rehab was six to nine months. And her daughter, daughter unfortunately, didn't have nine months left. She died two months later. Wow. I mean, you never know. Relapses happen. People go in and out of rehabs a lot. You don't know how many second chances you're going to get, if any. But... At the time, her daughter wanted to recover. She wanted to get help. She knew she was sick, and um, and they're just the help wasn't there for her. They're, the waiting list was too long. So it's just it's heartbreaking. The emails I get, um, but yeah, I just I believe in in this cause, and I believe that if we come together, we could make a real difference. Much like how AA did years ago we have to do something like in the anonymous people they talk about when somebody says they need help they need to have services available right then and there and you know if you go to the hospital and you're having an appendicitis they're going to get you in but for whatever reason our society doesn't see this as the same level of importance or urgency or even the same category and then also like if you get arrested because and I don't know how it is in New Jersey but in Arizona if you have paraphernalia or you know even a seed from marijuana you're gonna go right to jail like they're arresting you and they're taking you right in we need those types of services for people who are ready for help or need help we need to be able to say okay here we go like we have a bed for you we're gonna take care of you and provide that it's it's scary because like you said, what you just said rang, made me think instantly of my cousin because they need a bed immediately. They need to be it, when they're when they're seeing when they're when they're lucid and they know that they're in trouble and they know what they're doing to themselves. They're few and far between once they fall down that rabbit hole. Where, where will they have these lucid moments of oh my god, I need help and. Um, you know, they could say that one minute, and then if you even waited a day, they'll they'll say, "Oh, you know, I've I've heard of families, and I know even you know my cousin and, and things like that." So they could change their mind, and if they're over eighteen, you cannot force them to go either. So when they're lucid and they want help, you need to give them help right then and there. Yeah. And um, I just I honestly don't know. It's in the DSM now. It's in the American Society of Addiction Medicine um, that this is a chronic disease. It's not a social disorder. And and people are still thinking that what we're saying, what the advocates are saying is opinion, and it's not. It's fact now. Yeah. And um, I don't know how many more premature eulogies need to be written before we all realize that those who suffer from addiction are suffering. They're they're not happy, right? Um, and they are not weak or or immoral. They're sick. And and then another arg- argument that comes up is, well, 
you know, a sickness is AIDS, a sickness is cancer, a sickness, you know, and it goes on. And, and yes, you're right that every illness is different, but um, it's not about comparing all physical diseases to addiction. It's about understanding how addiction impairs the user and shows signs and symptoms just like every other illness. I'm not saying addiction is cancer. That's a very hot-button issue right now that, God forbid, we call addiction an illness. They, they throw cancer in my face, our face. Yeah. Um, it could be its own chronic disease. It could be, it, and, you know, connected to mental. It's just a whole, that whole, that whole argument is a whole other beast. Um, but like you said, there's not going to be any kind of change if, if we don't change our perception of it. I'm kind of feeling like I should, I'm going to go ahead and say this. So part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because in the past I had a lot of judgment on my brothers and I don't know, I was, I was, you know, not one of those people that would go on the internet and say stuff, but I definitely had judgment on them and what they were doing. And I said some stuff that I really regret. And so I'm just going to say this out to anybody that's listening. If you're in those shoes where you have judgment on somebody that has addiction, please just take a step back. Like Alicia's saying, do educate yourself, look at some of these things and don't say or do anything that you're going to regret down the road because people, the, the, the people that have addiction, they really are sick and it's, there's nothing you can do to take it back after they're no longer in your life. So. And I'm, and I'm also not saying I don't romanticize addiction. I don't, I was, I'm mad a lot of the time. And and that's another thing um, that I write about is that as loved ones of addicts, you are allowed to be mad without feeling guilty you are allowed to be really pissed off because this is not the life that you signed up for. You did not, you did not ask for this nightmare to be brought into your life. Um, so I'm not glorifying addiction. I'm not saying that they, there should be no ramifications for crimes committed in order to support a habit, anything like that. Um, I'm just saying I just don't know where any of the compassion that humans should hold I don't I don't know where that is when it comes to addiction there seems to be zero compassion um, by the majority and it's sad because it can happen to anyone like I didn't wake up 19 years old and was like I today is the day that my whole family's life is going to be disrupted by addiction no I didn't I the day I got the phone call that I that we lost my cousin I was at my private all-girls Catholic college in class. Like, this is not just, I don't know. I I don't try to glorify addiction because uh, a lot of times it does make me mad as well. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you never, you never know. You, you can't, you can't know what's going to happen a week from now, a month from now. Um, Your whole life could be turned upside down and, and there was times where I was mad at my cousin when she was alive and I never, I never let her know that. Um, and again, people could say that that's, you should have let her know, but I'm able to sleep at night because I know that I loved her no matter what. And I mean, she even thanked me once for, for treating her like she was normal. 
Um, we would go get French fries and things like that. We I kept as much of our traditions as I possibly could before she was gone. And because of that, you know, I have, I mean, I, I it's a positive, you know, I think about her and smile a lot of times. I don't regret anything. And um, I'm sure, I hope you could say the same about your brother. No, I have regrets, but I feel like he's forgiven me. <laughs> um, well, good. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing, it's almost like, I don't want to say retribution, but the fact that you're doing this podcast and you're putting your story out there and you're spending time, you know, hearing other people ramble like me, um, I just want you to know, like, what you're doing matters, what every single person in this, you know, that, that it, that's in this, every single person, what they're saying matters. Yeah. And you are making a difference. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I just want to be, I think that there's a huge shift coming. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think there's a bunch of us that are coming together and we're saying, no, you know, society needs to change. There needs to be changes in how we treat this and how we talk about it. And I'm just honored and grateful to be a part of that cause. And I know we're going to make a big difference. I know, you know, I think three to five years from now, we're going to look back and it's going to be completely different. And we get to, you know, say that's partly because of us. I just, I mean, I really, three to five years, the amount of people that are going to be dead I know. because of this. I wish it was sooner. It's scary. And um, maybe we can do it sooner, you know, hopefully. I, I definitely feel like what you said, a shift, because there's so many more people that are speaking out on it. And I think that's directly related to the fact that we are saying now, speak out. There's no shame attached to this. You have nothing to be embarrassed of that don't, you know, the statement that's attached to it, I'm hoping, I'm hoping is kind of fading away. Yeah. And it's giving people the confidence to speak out and be like, this happened to me, it could happen to you. It's not something to be ashamed of. If you have a family member or somebody that's going through this, we need to speak out to be able to get the help and the support to make it through it. Right. I mean, even in 06, though, when when my cousin was going through this, and like, you know, not a lot of my friends knew. It was We kept it very close within our family because of everything associated, all those, you know, pigeonholing stereotypes, um, and now it's like it's a little more out in the light, out in the open. Mm-hmm. And hopefully someone important finally hears us. <laughs> I hope so. But it could drive change. You know? Yeah. Well, I hope that the CDC decides to stay with their stricter guidelines because I do believe that, I mean, at least a lot of people that I know that have gone down that path started out on p- prescriptions from their doctor that they didn't probably need. Um, right. And uh, we didn't even talk about that. We can, if you want, if you have time. (laughs) That's like, people don't wake up one day, 16, 17, 18 years old, 30 years old. They don't wake up and they say today, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to purchase heroin. (laughs) Right. It starts. I mean, again, it started with, with my cousin. It started with a lot of people, that I'm very close to in Ocean County, New Jersey. It started with just going into a medicine cabinet or rightfully having a prescription and getting hooked on it, you know, after a car accident, after a leg injury, after, I mean, I got my wisdom teeth out and they prescribed me like Vicodin 
And I took a half of one and couldn't even, I was out cold for, for hours um, back when I was younger. So it does start with the pharmaceuticals and, and the prescriptions. And if they're buying 20s, 30s, 40s, that's street language um, for, for different pills, Xanax, Oxycontin. If they're buying those, that's the number that they're paying per pill per pill at a, in a lot of places. I know I only could speak about New Jersey and wow. with my limited scope of knowledge, but if they're going to buy 20s or 30s, that they're paying 20 or $30 per pill. Yeah, and a lot of those pills, at least at my son's high school, are coming straight from the parents' medicine cabinets. Yeah. So people yeah. need to uh, keep the whole track. Mind Your Meds campaign. Yeah. Um, and by the time, you know, they're, they're, they start younger, they start old. I mean, I, I couldn't afford paying $30 a day, three or four times a day. And if the alternative is a quote unquote better high for $4 a bag, why wouldn't they make the natural transition to heroin? Right. And a lot of people still think that they just wake up and they're like, I'm going to experiment with heroin today. No one says that. I, I mean, I don't want to say no one, but it's our rare. generation, it started with pills. Right. 100% started with pills. It started with a medicine cabinet and it got out of control because we are humans and we think we can control a substance, but the substance controls you. It becomes a chemical dependency. It's, you know, it's psychologically and physiologically, it alters you forever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, the pills is, is insane. Um, did you watch that Keith Cod thing? The Keith Cod documentary on heroin? No. Is it on Netflix? It's on HBO. It's on HBO. Do you have HBO? Yeah. Um, go on HBO Go, and it's a documentary. It's called uh, Cape Cod USA Heroin or something. Okay. It's not going to teach you anything you don't know already if you've been doing like your research, but it's something you just need to watch. So basically, that was pretty much the end of the podcast. The documentary that she mentions is Heroin Cape Cod USA, and it's on HBO Go. We wrapped it up, but then we started talking about some other stuff. And Alicia went on to mention just how we were talking about how we found each other, how I found her. And she gives a shout out to her editor, Shari. So I wanted to go ahead and leave that in the podcast. If you go ahead and listen to the rest of it, then we'll share that and I'll wrap it up. Well, you're definitely making an impact, and I really appreciate you. So, thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad we connected on here. Me that too. You, randomly, you filled out the form, right? That's how I connected with you? Yeah, somebody shared one of your um, articles in a group that I'm in, and I saw that. And so then it was through the advi- uh, advertiser? advertiser? Yeah. Yeah, she, um, I mean, Shari Twitterman, I'm giving her a little shout out now. She's my editor at the advertiser. She was in the at the Asbury Park Press in New Jersey and started printing my articles and publishing my articles when I was only getting you know a couple hundred views and and she really believed in in me and the cause and she really was a, a big pusher of getting my voice out there early on um, and she is the person that runs all of my addiction articles even before the Huffington Post publishes them. Wow, yeah, I so, saw your article on there and I. Was- Oh, go ahead. No, I said I owe her, you know, a, a lot for the exposure that I was 
that I've received. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw that and I filled out, well, I went to your website then and because I wanted to find out more about who you were and then I saw that you had an option for submitting your story and I had just been challenged earlier, I think that day, by someone who said that I needed to write out my story and I haven't been a huge writer and I thought, you know, this would be a cool way to do it. I could do it with you and then share it with, you know, your audience and you never know, it might positively impact somebody before they get to where I am. You know, if one person reads your story and they're like, oh my God, I'm not alone. I, I'm not alone in this because it's very, I, you can feel very isolated in this. Oh yeah. And, um, and that, that's been my biggest driving force too, is, is not like you're not alone as much as you feel alone and as much as your situation is unique there's a support system out there of people that are like, I don't a hundred percent get your situation because it's yours, but I understand what you're going through. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm glad I am going to share your story and I'll write it to the best of my ability. Um, and we'll definitely get it out there. All right. What did you think? She's pretty phenomenal, huh? So go ahead come back to the show notes, addiction support podcast.com forward slash episode nine, or if you just go to um, Addiction Support Podcast, it'll show up on the main page and check out the show notes, check out the contest. If you guys have any questions on how to leave a review on iTunes, I also have a video that I made on how to go through and do that on your computer. So you can watch that. I know it's not easy, but you know, it'll help other people. And it's one of those things. So please do that if you feel so inclined. And be kind to yourself. Just know, you know, there's other people out there. We know what you're going through. And I love you. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Support Podcast. Addiction support for family and friends from people who've been there. www.addictionsupportpodcast.com. Thank you.